1: He's a moderate research career track fellow and a national health and medical research uh, council member. Uh, He's also what's called a Martin fellow. And um, we're going to talk about uh, glycation and diabetes research. I'm not even sure. what I know I've heard of advanced glycation products, but it's the only glycation I know of, but we'll get into that. So uh, Mitch, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
2: Yeah, good. Thanks, Richard. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me on. I've been excited about uh, having this chat with you. Oh,
1: Good. So you know, just generically, I know you're involved in diabetes research. Um, In your own words, what uh, what area of diabetes are you focusing on, and then we'll we'll drill down with questions.
2: Absolutely. Um, I suppose I've I've focused on a few different areas uh, over the course of my career so far, and it's always centering around this molecule called glycogen, uh, which is essentially uh, glucose batteries, so a, a way of storing glucose. So earlier on in my career and it's still ongoing research. I was looking at liver glycogen and how the structure of this uh, appears to be different in diabetes. Uh, recently, uh, working with Professor Joe Forbes at the moment in Brisbane, we're looking more at um, diabetic kidney disease, trying to understand you know this link between diabetes and the high incidence of kidney disease. And again, my expertise is in glycogen. So I'm looking at a sort of uh, interesting phenomenon that the kidney starts to over accumulate lots of this glycogen molecule um, when diabetes is present
1: so this glycation product um, it, it sounds like it is it upregulate a process in the kidney or what does it do in the kidney um, you know when it's
2: there yeah so um, I guess the, the whole idea of glycation is uh, quite separate to glycogen I guess so there'd be other people in the in the group that I'm in that are, are looking more at these advanced glycation end products and how this uh, may play a role in kidney disease. For me, uh, what I'm really focusing on is uh, this phenomenon that you know a normal uh, a kidney under um, uh, non-diabetic conditions essentially has no glycogen. Um, so very little, uh, it's even hard to measure. Whereas uh, you get uh, diabetes and these high blood glucose levels that start to drive this high accumulation of uh, these big glycogen molecules. So just a little bit of background on glycogen Uh, roughly you have you know tens of thousands of glucose units uh, all attached together in these giant molecules you know highly branched and this is essentially to store glucose for later use so in the liver this is very normal we use that so that uh, we don't have to continually be eating and stoking the furnace to keep our our body going it means we can have breakfast uh, we can store this energy in the liver so that as the day progresses you know before lunchtime we can release that glucose back into the blood and you know feed you know the hungry brain which absolutely loves glucose Uh, in the muscle we use this glycogen almost as a battery for the muscle tissue itself so if we go for a jog this obviously requires a lot of energy uh, to get the muscle fibers contracting and this glycogen can be used to fuel um, this contraction the kidneys however Uh, normally do not have this glycogen, or it's at such a low level that it hasn't really been thought of as significant. In diabetes, we start to see levels accumulating, uh, you know, as high as the muscle tissue, which is the second highest concentration in the body. So the question is, is this glycogen causing damage? Uh, I've done a bit of work uh, in Toronto with some colleagues, uh, Professor Burj Manassian and his team, looking at glycogen storage diseases, where you have a abnormal accumulation of glycogen directly causing tish, uh, tissue damage. So that's one hypothesis is that in diabetes, um, the kidneys abnormally accumulate this glycogen, and this actually causes uh, direct kidney damage itself.
1: Okay, so how does it cause kidney damage? Does it build up in uh, inside of a nephron and block the tubing? Like, h- how does it happen?
2: Yeah, so I guess... Um, at this stage, uh, it's the hypothesis um, is that it's causing kidney damage. Uh, we just don't know. It's possible that um, this is actually a compensatory mechanism to almost sequester some of this glucose uh, because we know you know, high blood glucose is a big problem of, of diabetes. But yeah, so one potential mechanism um, could be similar to these glycogen storage diseases where you accumulate abnormally structured glycogen, almost starch-like. Uh, which has longer chain lengths and becomes insoluble. Um, so what, what occurs in things like Lafora disease and Anderson's disease, which are these uh, sort of classical glycogen storage diseases, is that the glycogen doesn't remain soluble, which is um, you know, a key feature of glycogen, is that it should be soluble and therefore able to be broken down by the enzymes. But instead, they start to clump together in these insoluble, almost starch-like granules, and, you know, if these get big enough, you can see um, electron microscopy images uh, where it completely fills a whole cell. So, for example, in Lafora disease, it can fill a whole axon in the cell, and this will cause the neuron to die and the inflammation to uh, sort of follow that. So potentially in the kidney, um, you have a similar process where you have this buildup of insoluble glycogen that can completely fill these tubule cells um, and therefore cause you know, structural damage and then inflammation. Um, If you see some of the electron microscope images or or um, histological images we have, um, you do see some cells just very full of this um, glycogen-like material. So that's one potential mechanism.
1: So, okay, so you literally can see these, these specific cells full of the material and it looks like, well, like grains or starch grains or grains of rice or something?
2: Exactly right. So much bigger than just a single glycogen molecule. Um, but yeah they're, they're sort of accumulated together, and that was what really drew me to the hypothesis that this kind of damage could be uh, occurring in the kidney is that they look very similar to the sort of granules you see in Lefora disease and you know um, Anderson's disease and these kind of glycogen storage diseases. So at the moment, um, this is very new um, research, so it's it's still just a hypothesis. Um, but that's the one that, you know, uh, we, we will be testing in the future. So uh, once they're in
1: these uh, in these cells, do you think they're ever liberated at times or they stay in there? Um,
2: you know, yeah, is, is so, there a
1: longitudinal look at what they're doing?
2: Yeah, so there has been some, um, certainly not in the kidney yet, but in, in um, glycogen storage diseases, um, there's been some effort to try to see if these um, odd accumulations move into things like the lysosomes, which should be able to break them down. And I guess the uh, the main answer is that maybe some are, but it gets completely overwhelmed. Um, so the capacity for the body to get rid of these is, is overwhelmed and they do just stay in the cell. I think when a cell actually maybe uh, gets completely um, destroyed or ruptures, then it might leak out into the bloodstream or surrounding area. Um, but that seems to be um, a fairly rare thing to see, I guess, in, in microscopy. Um, so I, I suppose uh, the main idea is that it sits in the cell until the cell becomes, um, I guess, so damaged that it dies. And if you have enough of these cells, you can you can imagine the structural damage that would occur.
1: What model are you using? Are you looking at this in, in people, from biopsies, or mice, or what?
2: Yeah, yeah, so at the moment, um, both mice, and we, we're lucky enough to have um, a good uh, collaborator at the Princess Alexandra Hospital, um, nephrologist, who can um, give us some kidney tissue from human patients. So, um, for example, you know, with roughly 10% of people having diabetes, um, you know, when they take some tumour tissue, for example, if someone has kidney cancer, uh, 10% of the people will have diabetes, and they can take some of the non-cancerous tissue. Uh, but we, when we're looking at the mechanistic things, um, mice are still the way to go. And we have a few different models of, of diabetic mice. We have genetic models. Um, there's a DBDB mouse, which lacks its leptin receptor. So it doesn't uh, feel full ever really. So it will keep eating. It will gain um, a lot of body weight and, and start to resemble almost a type two diabetic patient. Uh, we can also use chemical methods. Um, to induce type one diabetes, uh, streptozotocin um, is a toxin that will essentially cause the body to attack the the beta uh, beta cells in the pancreas, and you have a very similar situation to type one. So we have these uh, mouse models that we're looking at. Um, we're trying to find out more specifically where the where the glycogen is accumulating in the kidney. So you've got the whole nephron. Um, it appears that the the um, the TAL or the The thick ascending limb, which is a specific part of that nephron, seems to be where a lot of this glycogen is forming. And we also want to see if if the location of this glycogen corresponds to where we can see kidney damage. So we can also, you know, stain our tissue for markers of of kidney damage and see if there's a a co-localization.
1: Have you tried, um, you know, the mice that have this, have you Mm -hmm. tried fasting them, let's say for a few days and then seeing, uh, looking at the cells and seeing if there's a, a clearance you yeah, know, of these products or uh, putting them on a certain diet.
2: Yeah, that's, um, we haven't actually tried that, but that's, that's a very nice experiment, um, to, yeah, essentially see if they're like these, you know, Laphora um, disease bodies that are essentially permanent or if it, it's just normal glycogen. So that's one thing, um, that we'd very much like to do another, uh, experiment that, um, I'm pretty excited about is we have this, um, mouse model that we're, we're developing at the moment that um, will lack its ability to make glycogen only in the kidney. So it should um, theoretically make glycogen everywhere else to the same extent. Um, But we use a specific kidney uh, promoter, CAD16, or CADherin-16, which will mean it will knock out the main enzyme for glycogen synthesis in the kidney. And then we can essentially give these mice diabetes and we can see, you know, is the kidney damage better or worse? Uh, What is their blood glucose control like? And hopefully, this will give us an indication of whether there is actually um, something going on here with the the glycogen accumulation.
1: So, again, you don't know the mechanism by which the kidney is damaged. You see the appearance of these products, but um, mm. again, any hint on as to uh, as to mechanism of damage?
2: No. So, I think um, that's further down the line at this point. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of literature um, sort of explaining other mechanisms by which diabetes can cause kidney damage. So. By no means do I think this is uh, the cause. Um, it might just be a particular um, cause of a specific type of kidney damage. Uh, but there's certain things we, we will look at, I suppose, um, you know, markers of autophagy to see if basically the, the cells are being overwhelmed. I mean, I'll really be talking a lot with, um, you know, Bergman Manassian and the team that I worked with uh, in Toronto on glycogen storage diseases um, to try and, I guess, borrow from their wisdom on, on the main things they they generally look at, but things like um, you know markers of autophagy is one thing they they often look at, um, and then just different markers for kidney damage, like um, looking to see if there's um, you know fibrin, um, which is the sort of uh, system that will come in once you start getting cells dying, if you start getting fibrosis. Um, so markers for things like that will also be used.
1: And then you even know to look in these cells for the accumulation of glycogen.
2: So there has, um, way back, uh, you know, decades and decades ago, this was noted that there's glycogen um, in, you know, diabetic kidneys and that potentially this could be a real issue. Um, That sort of lost a little bit of momentum, I guess, in the literature. And then there were a few studies, um, you know, within the last decade that have noted um, glycogen being there. Um, I guess I have a bit of an advantage in that glycogen metabolism is my you know, real uh, wheelhouse, I guess. So I can um, look into things like the structure of the glycogen, uh, you know, the chain length being very important. We know if that gets too long, uh, you start to get these um, starch-like granules forming. Um, And also technology has has gotten better with microscopy so that we can really start to, um, I guess, get a better understanding of of what's going on here. So, uh,
1: okay. this cell type again, morpho- morphologically, where is it in the kidney and what are your suspicions as to its normal function in the kidney and how it's in
2: functions impaired by this? So, yeah, so essentially with the kidney, you have, um, you know, the glomerulus at one end, which is sort of the, the filtration unit. And then you have a long um, tube, the nephron, which will eventually lead out um, where, the, where the urine uh, is expelled. So you've got this sort of long tubule uh, system. So... Um, the thick ascending limb is, I suppose, I guess, halfway along along this, this tube. And I think the idea is that usually um, what we know is that glucose doesn't usually get this far down the nephron. Um, so usually uh, we want to recycle all of the glucose uh, back into the blood because it's it's a very expensive, um, you know, high in energy uh, molecule. And, it, you know, especially during our evolution, it made no sense to to lose this in the urine.
0: If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
2: So we think that this uh, these cells down here are not used to seeing um, glucose essentially going past, past them. In diabetes, uh, you know, um, a lot of this glucose is expelled in the urine. We know that's a, a very common way to test for diabetes is simply look for uh, glucose in the urine. And so therefore, you have a lot more glucose passing these cells, and we think potentially these cells you know, not being used to seeing um, glucose at all might start making this glycogen and, and not really have the capacity to to do it properly, I guess, uh, as far as what these cells normally do. Um, I mean, in, in my mind, the main thing is the structural element of, I guess, um, you know, the nephron acting as a, a way to filter, um, you know, in what we want and and obviously expel the waste. Um, so you think, so, are they
1: scaffolding for the nephron or like what, what purpose would they serve in relation to the nephron, you think?
2: I mean, they're a part of the tube, I guess, um, is, is the sort of extent of that. So um, okay. it's, it's more like a segment of the tube as opposed to specific cells um, within the tube, if that makes sense. So if you think of like a long nephron and then you, you go halfway along, you sort of make a cut completely through that nephron. Um, then you have the, the thick ascending limb uh, tubule until it suddenly uh, becomes a different region, uh, the distal tubule. So it's not so much that there are specific cells scattered throughout the nephron, it's an actual portion of the nephron itself. Uh, so if you think of you know, a garden hose, if you suddenly just cut a one-inch gap completely through them, um, that would be sort of what we're looking at here.
1: But... Um... I had thought along the nephron, you know, like, I guess I would call them, I guess the epithelial cells or the cells lining the tube of the nephron, Mm. Um, different substances, I thought, you know, again, I don't know, are are filtered out at different stages along the length of the tube and along one of the bends. So I would think the cell type would, would change and the cellular ability is along the length of the tube. So the cells that are affected are just one of the cells that are along the length of this tube at a certain location. And, if so, does that give you a clue as to what they would normally be filtering preferentially?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so absolutely. So earlier on in the nephron, uh, you're filtering your, your glucose and molecules like this. Um, I'll be honest, in the, the thick ascending limb, I'm not actually sure what specific substrates would be getting filtered back into the blood, if any at all at this point. Um, that'd be something I'd, I'd, I'd talk to the nephrologist um, expert that I work with, particularly my supervisor. Um, professor joe forbes um but for me i was mainly the the big clue that i was sort of focusing on was the fact that they're not used to seeing glucose um so you're absolutely right that these cells behave very different differently including what um substrate they use for their own energy um and that's something yeah i will definitely uh have a bit of a scout and look through because your logic's very good there That. That's definitely a a wonderful place to look for clues.
1: Yeah, like, you know, again, I'm just making this up, but if that part of the tube filters a lot of phosphorus and uh, whatever, then what does that tell you? Why preferentially is that area, when it sees glucose, is it storing it when further, you know, earlier on in the nephron, it's not storing it? And, you know, that's why I thought it may reveal some interesting info.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it certainly... It to me makes sense that earlier on, uh, this may not be as big, a, big of an issue because um, you know, the whole point is to get glucose into the, you know, the uh, proximal tubules and back out into the blood. Um, I, I would guess that um, by the time you get into the thick ascending limb, um, it's not used to seeing glucose, so it may not really have a capacity to then get rid of the glucose back into the blood like earlier on. Uh, I was, I was. The sort of thing I was more thinking about was just that it hasn't really seen glucose before, so its glycogen metabolism setup might not be able to cope with it. But I'll, I'll dig into that deeper. That's, that's, that's a great, um, a great way to.
1: Well, it, it yeah. may, it may see it because I mean, so far as I know, like this is now, I guess, thousands of years ago. You know, hmm. the Greeks, uh, the, the name like diabetes mellitus, I think, it means like honey urine or sugar urine. Yeah. So. Sugar was making it, or it is making it into the urine of, you know, it depends how bad you are diabetically, but it does make it into the urine at some point. So it's got to pass that point, but it sounds like it's being um, stored there as glycogen for some reason. And I I don't know. It's, you know, again, the glucose, I guess, does make it the whole way,
2: you know? Yeah. So uh, that's certainly the case. That's certainly the case for diabetes. Um, Originally, you know, when, when diabetes is, I guess, early in progression, um, the, the proximal tubule cells early up on the nephron will actually upregulate the amount of transporters to get more glucose back into the blood. But this is, um, this is, can only go to a certain extent. Um, and then, yeah, you will get glucose uh, passing through. So I think ever since there was diabetes, this, this phenomenon is likely to happen. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it hasn't really been looked at um, much. So it's a fun journey to start on.
1: Yeah, you definitely found something really interesting. Um, Thanks, Richard. What, what? So, what else about your? I mean, what is? Uh, what kind of intuitions are you getting so far about what you found, and you know, what other aspects of diabetes do you want to focus on, or is this enough? Like, you know, just yeah. looking at this mechanism is plenty.
2: So, I suppose um, this is still, you know, the very early phase. Uh, you know, almost the preliminary data grant writing phase, where um, mm. the main <clears throat> the main intuitions just come from the histological images that, that show something that to me look very similar to glycogen storage diseases. I suppose the, the much more mature um, research that I've done goes back to my PhD uh, that involved diabetes, and this was related more to liver glycogen. So one, one interesting um, difference between liver glycogen and muscle glycogen is that uh, the glycogen particles come together in these much larger particles. So you can think of muscle glycogen um as almost like a, a spherical looking highly branched molecule um, you know picture it as a billiard ball let's say in the liver you can have 50 to 100 of these coming together into these larger aggregates called alpha particles and we think this has actually evolved for a specific re- uh, reason um, you know if you've ever had one of those big dissolvable aspirin tablets uh, and your, your headache's particularly bad you know if you break it down into smaller parts it will dissolve more quickly because you're exposing more surface area. And we think that's essentially why in the muscle you have these smaller particles called beta particles, because when you need uh, energy from the muscle, you you essentially need it quickly. Uh, the liver has a very different role in that, you know, you stop eating and then you want to slowly release glucose back into the blood, um, you know, over the course of hours. So we think that evolutionary, there was a drive to, you know, make these larger uh, particles to hide a lot of the molecule away and decrease the surface area. You know, it wouldn't be useful to suddenly dump all of that glucose back into the blood quickly. So what we looked at was these alpha particles in the liver, and whether there was a difference between healthy and diabetes. Um, This was an honors project to begin with. And we suddenly had some some cool um, technologies to compare the structure. So we thought, well, you know, diabetes is related to blood glucose uh, mismanagement. So let's start there. And what we found was that the the large alpha particles in diabetes break down um, quite readily into the smaller beta particles, which made us think, OK, you know, this potentially is exacerbating poor blood glucose control because uh, we suddenly have a lot more of the of the glycogen exposed. And therefore, if there is enough enzyme to degrade it, it should happen uh more quickly and we we found in vitro that indeed these particles do degrade more quickly um, so that's ongoing research um a particular interest of mine and i'm hoping before the day that i die that we've we've discovered what is actually sticking these particles together in the liver to make alpha particles we have a couple of ideas but that is still a mystery um which i'm I'm happy to still be uh, looking into yeah.
1: what um so you talked about muscle glycogen. What about liver glycogen? What does that look like? And if you put up um, pictures of the morphology of the glycogen particles from liver, mm-hmm. imagining this on like a, you know, one of those like light boxes, you put up the yeah. liver ones, you put up the the muscle ones. Now you put up these kidney cell ones. Are there mm-hmm. other areas in the body that do this? And then what do they look like side by side? What's the difference?
2: Yeah. So um, so essentially. Uh, in the, this diabetes story, it was the liver uh, glycogen I was talking about, sorry about that. So that's where these larger alpha particles uh, are made. Um, in the muscle, you have the, the smaller particles. Um, so think, I think, I like to think that, you know, it's roughly 50 to 100 um, smaller molecules that come together to form these larger alpha particles in the liver. We have found um, in heart tissue, um, they they do form some of these alpha particles, the larger particles, um, but not quite to the extent of the liver. Um, Some very preliminary data in the kidney uh, shows that it looks more like your muscle glycogen, um, what we found, so smaller particles, um, not these large alpha particles. And to be honest with other tissues, um, we just don't know, like uh, with the brain, um, you know, Sometimes hard to get enough glycogen out to do all this analysis, um, but uh, it would be interesting to look at as well. So the main two uh, tissues that seem to have this extra level of structure, where these uh, glycogen molecules come together in these large aggregates, appears to be the liver and the heart. Are, are
1: you able to uh, look at a cross section of these particles and you know look at them again on uh, you know uh, when you look at them are they round and smooth are they rough and jagged? Do they have certain morphologies and if you cut yeah. through them,
2: do they, you know, do they have, uh, do the centres look similar? Yeah, I'm not sure about cutting through them. We've, um, you know, we see them in transmission electron microscopy or scanning electron uh, microscopy, uh, and so you do get an idea, I guess, of their morphology, uh, but not in that sort of 3D way you're talking about. Um, I, I've spoken to some colleagues um, at UQ, and and this is this would be at the very cutting edge of microscopy. Um, to be able to cut through uh, these particular glycogen molecules. Um but yeah, I think the more resolution the better. It's certainly it's not smooth like a billiard ball. Uh it, it's lots of exposed chain ends. So you can think of it um, you know, as like a roughly spherical, um, sort of highly branched molecule with lots of little chains, if that makes sense. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I just wonder what, you know, what kind of clues
1: you would get from doing that. So
2: hmm. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always, uh, I love talking to the people at the cutting edge of microscopy um, and, and, you know, methods to, to be able to fix these kind of particles and, and have such precision to cut them in half. Um, and I think it's, potentially there's a project there with the technology we have that would be finding uh, the right PhD students to put their hand up. But I think that'd be very cool.
1: But well, here you literally need the cutting edge, literally.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally,
1: exactly. <laughs> Yeah, sorry bad joke um <laughs> no i don't like it um depending on how the glycogen again is stored is it is it more accessible in one form versus another you know maybe the structure again of these particles and the size uh, would would show you like the availability of uh you know of the of the glycogen
2: to be converted back into glucose at, you know if needed absolutely so The the main one we focus on is is simply just the size, uh, given this surface area to volume ratio um, that I mentioned. Um, But the the other things to consider, I suppose, are location in the cell. Um, So that's uh, something we haven't really looked at, but um, where the glycogen actually is in the cell, um, will influence, I suppose, how close it is to certain enzymes. you also have to, uh, when you're thinking about glycogen, it may be a carbohydrate, but it has lots of proteins attached to it, including, you know, the glycogen degradated, um proteins. So a lot of, a lot of what will control this is also, you know, the the quantity of um, these enzymes, the activation state of these enzymes. They're often are phosphorylated or dephosphorylated, depending on which enzyme, which will make them active or inactive. Um, so there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of different variables i guess that will influence its, its degradation uh, the ones that i mainly focus on are just the, the surface area or, or the size of the molecules and because i'm so interested in whether the molecules are soluble or not based on glycogen storage diseases the chain length is something i always um i always ha- have a particular focus on
1: hmm. interesting okay well very good what um what uh... I don't know, any idea when you think you're going to get some insights and get uh, some heavy lab work done, to figure out, uh, figure out more?
2: Yeah. So um, we're, we're, with that, uh, if, we're talking about the, um, if we're talking about the kidney, the kidney story, uh, we have the, the mice uh, ready to be bred. Um, so, you know, uh, given the, the difficulties of COVID, a lot of the experiments had to be sort of put on hold. Um, but hopefully next year we can actually get those mice up and going. Uh, to see what the effect is of knocking out their ability to make kidney glycogen, as far as looking at the the structure, um, location, and also you know uh, co co-loc- co-localization with um, kidney damage, that's what we're doing. You know, right at the moment. So I'm ho- hopefully within the next six months, if we have another conversation, we'll have a lot more data to share with you as far as um, the kidney glycogen story. Uh, when we're talking about the the liver glycogen and this difference between diabetes and non-diabetes, where um, the big alpha particles are fragile in diabetes, potentially leading to um, you know a faster release of, of glucose. Uh, this is ongoing as well. Um, the majority of the work I do is with Professor Bob Gilbert, my honours and PhD supervisor, who's um, you know really been um, you know working hard on this uh, with me ever since I started my honours. Uh, that's still ongoing work here in Australia. And in his group in China. Um, so there's a few there's a few answers I really want, but one of them is what's actually holding these particles together, and then I suppose that will give us a an insight into whether we can potentially, um, I guess, influence in a in diabetes this um, this mechanism of, of sticking the particles together. Um, so it's hard to put a time frame on it, but we're working harder on all these questions now.
1: Okay, well, very good. Well Mitchell, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work in Keep
2: Tabs? Yeah, so I think uh, if they just look up um if they look up, you know, Dr. Mitchell Sullivan and on MARTA Research page or University of Queensland page, that will have all my list of, of publications um and that and um you know my email address, uh Mitchell at marta au. Uh, if anyone wants to contact me there, um even just for a discussion, I could talk glycogen all day. Uh, you know, you You grow up and you never think you're going to have a favorite molecule, but here we are. Um, So if anyone's interested, please just contact me. Uh, I love talking about it. Okay, excellent.
1: Well, Mitchell, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Me too. I really appreciate it. It was fun.
0: If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs.